Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the Executive Director, and I'm here today with a great partner and colleague and friend, Sarah Holly, who is a public health nurse and owns Minnesota Childcare Health Consultants and spends a lot of time out in childcare. And she also is here today to talk to us about helping us kind of decipher some of the new updated guidance around health and safety in programs out in the state um, related to COVID, the ever-changing COVID. So Sarah, welcome. That's correct. Thanks, Priscilla. Thank you for having me. We are going to talk about COVID today, and that's one thing I just want to preface it with. Um, everything that you hear today is current as of today, September 29th, 2022. We've all seen through the pandemic over the last couple of years that, you know, the guidance changes as everything evolves. Um, so this is current as of today, but you, as always, want to, you know, continue to check the Minnesota Department of Health website, as well as the Centers for Disease Control CDC website um, for updates, you know, constantly. But as of today, the information we're going to cover is current. Okay. And so maybe too, at the end of our talk, we'll go through, we'll save the date again to remind people to just get that in their brain so that they can um, know that to be the case. So why don't you just jump right in and talk to us about some of the operational guidance to support internal in-person learning and sure. all that, that involves. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just kind of want to touch on today, sort of as we move forward here at this point in the p pandemic, like how do we protect ourselves? How do we protect protect others, you know, and just everyday prevention strategies. We get a lot of questions on that. So we're just going to kind of cover where things are at now and how to protect yourself. Um, but yeah, just to reiterate, COVID changes, you know, the guidance changes rapidly. So be sure to check those reliable resources. Um, really what happens is the current guidance just depends on community transition levels at that time. So, you know, or if, if a program like a child care program is experiencing an outbreak or if their levels are high, then the guidance depends on that. That's kind of what we're going to go through today. Um, so the current recommendations with the Minnesota Department of Health as of today is um, for child care programs really just to implement a core set of infectious disease prevention strategies as part of their normal everyday operations. And then they will layer additional prevention strategies specific to COVID-19 um, in response to, you know, local changing situations, you know, periods of increased community health impacts from COVID-19. So, and, and really, if you think about when you hear some of these, while they're specifically written for COVID-19 prevention, um, the guidance really can help prevent the spread of all infectious diseases and support healthy learning environments for all. So it is specific to COVID, but really it's, it's going to um, help just prevent illness in general. Um, it, and Minnesota Department of Health really refers to the guidance that the Centers for Disease Control has out. So they do currently have operational guidance um, just kind of focused on supporting in-person learning. So um, just to touch on some changes, because, you know, we've seen all sorts of different guidance um, mm -hmm. and it used to be where child care centers would cohort, where they'd keep the same groups of children and staff together. There was a lot of screening before children would enter the building. Um, that's all kind of gone away for now. Um, 
CDC, they did remove the recommendation to cohort. Um, They changed the recommendation to conduct screening testing to focus on high-risk activities during COVID-19 community level um, when those are high or in response to an outbreak. Um, One of the things we're going to talk about, too, is they removed the recommendation to quarantine. So we'll talk about that, except if you're in a high-risk congregate setting, um, which would be like a halfway home inpatient mental health facilities, corrections facilities, homeless shelters, things like that. Um, And then they remove the information about testing to stay. And then they added more details about when you'd want to wear a mask, managing cases and exposures, and then how to respond um, if you do have an outbreak. So their guidance has really changed to include five main prevention measures. Um, The first one they list is staying up to date on vaccinations, Um, the second one is staying home if you're sick. Third one is proper ventilation. And then the fourth one is hand hygiene, proper hand hygiene and respiratory etiquette, Mm -hmm. and then proper cleaning. So those are the five things that they really focus on now, um, for early childhood programs for operational guidance for in-person learning. The first two stay up that they're pretty clear cut, staying up to date on vaccinations. I know that the the booster the booster is out now and for that's the is it bivalent or I think it's called um yep and anyone really six months of age um and older is eligible for vaccinations. So we really kind of want to focus on, you know, that's it 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 not only provides individual level protection, but vaccines um, really reduce the burden of COVID-19 on whole communities. So that's just kind of the leading public health strategy to prevent severe COVID-19 disease. So really focusing on vaccination um, is really, really important. Sure. And, and staying home if you're sick, that's something that, you know, childcare hopefully We've been pushing for that for a long time because it's something that we expect of families. If there's a child that has a drippy nose or a, you know, logo yes. or all of those things, there's all those guidelines. But this is also talking about staff. Stay home when you're sick, which is a hard thing to talk about in such a staffing crisis situation in childcare. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So this really is no different, but just kind of reemphasized here, you know, whether you have GI symptoms, you know, or anything that you're sick from, or if you've got the COVID-19 symptoms, you really should not be um, at work or school. So um, if you can, you know, let parents know the exclusion policies ahead of time so that they're not, you know, sort of, you know, surprised when that happens and then trying to provide some sort of flexibility um, for the staff. Um, You know, I know it's hard because there is, you know, staffing shortages right now and actually kind of a crisis with that. So that's tricky, but really when um, children or staff are sick, they really should not be there because it's just going to spread like that. So really encouraging, you know, anyone ill to stay at home. Yeah. Yeah. How about ventilation? Now, when you're out and about in settings, what have you seen folks doing related to ventilation and, and are people taking that seriously? Yeah, I've seen a lot of programs trying to do more activities than they would, trying to get outside for even lessons, bringing, you know, Mm. the class sort of outdoors, um, which is a great idea. Um, And then, you know, opening the doors and windows. They should have screens. Um, That's actually part of Rule 3 licensing. 
that doors and windows should have screened if they're open, but just getting that fresh air in is going to help or getting, you know, children and staff outside. Um, and then, you know, there, there have been some um, instances of some pandemic funding available um, to improve your indoor air quality in your buildings. So, um, you know, programs could look into that, you know, you can go on the CDC's website or the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA's website to get more information of that. But even just using like the portable air filters, you know, with HEPA filters, um, we've seen some stuff like that, that can help improve ventilation. That's wonderful. And thank you for those resources. I'm finding more information too. And hand hygiene and um, respiratory etiquette, um, you know, that also in early childhood has always been really, really important and kind of part of our repertoire and our protocols all the time. But it's, I think, you know, it's so good to be reminded of what really what that means, you know, and what it what it really entails. Yeah, that's and we hear that often with hand hygiene. Washing hands is like the number one way to prevent illness, the spread of illness. So so important. So just reiterating with your staff, um, you know, just when to wash hands. You know, we've we've gone through those before and I think they're pretty well laid out, but just, you know, before and after using the restroom, before and after eating, really when you arrive to school, before you leave home, obviously after you contact bodily fluids or you help a child, you know, in the restroom or you're, you know, with their nose blowing or whatnot after coughing, sneezing, you just want to remember all those times that it's really important um, to either wash your hands. And if for some reason you're not around soap and water to use a hand sanitizer that contains at least 60% alcohol. Um, and just remember too, if your hands are visibly soiled, um, you really do need to use the soap and water to get them clean. But hand hygiene is just one of those things that probably does need constant reminding, believe it or not. Yes. Um, yes. And then with children too, you know, monitor their hand washing. And if you see them put their hands in water and then they're in and out of there without any soap in two seconds, it's a lifelong skill to teach them. There's your opportunity to just, you know, wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. We've all heard, you know, you can sing the happy birthday song. You can do the ABCs, but just something that you wash thoroughly, you know, about 20 seconds and then, you know, dry your hands off. Um, single service paper towels are great. Mm -hmm. Don't want to use like a reusable um, towel that everyone is using. So paper towels would be good. Um, and the respiratory etiquette, um, in addition to the hand hygiene, cover the coughs and sneezes. So try and grab a tissue to cover the cough and sneeze, which is great. And then when you're done, um, you know, throw that tissue in the trash can and wash your hands again. Um, if for some reason you don't have a tissue, you know, tr try to cough into your elbow. Mm -hmm. um, just, we just don't want, you know, the respiratory, um, sprays out into the open because that's just going to spread illness. And that's, it's not only for COVID-19 prevention, but all the respiratory illnesses, you know, RSV, yeah. whooping cough, which is pertussis, influenza, all of those are respiratory illnesses that spread in that manner. So wash your hands and cover those coughs and sneezes, really, really important measure to stay healthy. It's such a great reminder for adults because I think, you know, you're out in the community. We just do that, catch it in your elbow because that's just what we, you know, catch it in your elbow. Um, that's just kind of the mantra in early childhood because if right. you even catch it in your hand and then go back to playing, that's not, that's not going right. to help. And so nope. do you see adults out in the community too doing that. And if they're not from early childhood settings, they're not getting the catch it in your elbow. But wouldn't that be right. great if everyone would adopt that stance? <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I've, I've seen too with um, staff grabbing a tissue out of their pocket and wiping multiple children's noses. That's never oh, a good practice oh, either. Yeah. So, you know, throw that tissue once used into um, the garbage and then, you know, do good either hand washing or the hand sanitizer if you're not able to wash hands if you're outside or something. True. Hand hygiene. Right. Yes, that's wonderful. And then cleaning, 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 cleaning. We're always cleaning. This is really critical. Yep, really critical and really important, too, to get good scientific-based directions. So I would recommend looking at the Centers for Disease Control website, or I mentioned the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency. They have cleaning guidance out. Um, But, yeah, just, you know, cleaning surfaces at least once a day is going to help to reduce the risk of um, germ spreading. Um, I would, you have to look at what the surface is, whether you're going to, um, sanitize or disinfect it. That's kind of a whole nother, um, topic, but, um, that that gets pretty involved, but you always want to, if a, if a surface is visibly dirty, if it's soiled, you need to clean it with soap and water first, and then you're going to, you know, and that can just be like a Dawn disc detergent. Um, and then you're going to either sanitize or disinfect the surface, but at least once a day. And then when you see Uh, surfaces are soiled, you want to hit them then as well. And then this is in addition to programs, normal daily, you know, routines of cleaning and sanitizing and disinfecting. So, you know, you've already got your procedures for your diaper setting and, you know, your tables and all of that. But in addition to that, you want to make sure you're hitting all the areas at least once a day and pay attention to those high frequently touched areas, those high touch areas, you know, any light switches, doorknobs, faucet handles, your keyboards mm. in your office, you know, the phones, the chairs where you're, you know, you're pulling the chairs out for the kids to the table and yeah, seats and yep. the chairs that aren't where the kids pull up, scooch up with their hands on either side. And yeah. Yeah, correct. And so those are really the five things. So now, like I said, at the beginning, the CDC is just really focusing on operational guidance to help keep everyone healthy. So you've got those five things that we just talked about the, you know, staying up to date on the vaccinations, stay home if you're sick, um, ventilation, proper ventilation, opening doors and windows, the high hand hygiene and respiratory etiquette, and then the proper cleaning. So if we can remember those things, hopefully, you know, those are going to be really good prevention measures to have in place. Sure. And then as far as community levels, when we're looking at the larger community and what can be really helpful to to stave off COVID for all of us and also other illnesses, especially as we're getting into the colds and flus and all of those pieces in the, the winter months and the fall in, in Minnesota. Um, what are some things that you can add as far as other measures that we'll mention? Yes. Yeah. I always think about keeping your immune system up. Mm-hmm. So we all know, you know, you, you hear it all the time, but you know, get your eight hours of sleep when possible or close to that. Um, that's going to help keep your immune system up exercise, um, do any type of stress relief, whether that's yoga, relaxation, deep breathing, you know, that just helps to, you know, decrease one's anxiety levels and stress. And we all know that has completely been heightened, um, during COVID for everyone. So just all of those measures, getting a healthy diet, the sleep and the exercise, I think will really help to keep your immune system off so that you can ward off, um, you know, any illnesses that you come into contact with. Get your annual influenza vaccination. That's, you know, we talked about the COVID vaccination, but you also th- want to think about keeping current on all your vaccination. And just remember the influenza vaccination is a seasonal. So um, mm-hmm. you get it yearly and it's about that time of year right now, mid-September. So 
um, you know, that will help to prevent um, the likelihood of you getting the flu. And even if you do get the flu, it should make it a less severe case. So really, really important to remember to get your um, seasonal flu vaccination. Sure. Taking plenty of fluids and water, you know, that's another thing yeah. that can really be helpful to your system too. So the, the question, you know, there's there's the question of masks and those updates as well. And I know that you mentioned when we were just talking before we started recording, just there are some changes related to that. And it's kind of hard to navigate that road because every place is different. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is. Um, and so, again, I just really encourage everyone to keep checking back to MDH and CDC for the current guidance. You can just type in like child care. Um, so that you get to that specific guidance for early childhood programs. Um, so right now, um, that operational guidance of those five things we just discussed is their current guidance, but then they do have a plan in place um, sort of contingent on if the levels get high in the community. Um, CDC does a really good job of, you know, you can type in your zip code and you can see what your community level's at, but they distinguish them by low, medium, or high. Mm -hmm. And basically what they're saying is when you're getting at that high level, that's when we need to start adding in extra, um, you know, prevention levels. So that's going to be wearing masks. You mentioned that. So, you know, if you get to a high level or even if you're having an outbreak um, in your program, that's when you're going to add the wearing masks. So um, people always ask what type of mask. I think the biggest thing to focus on with masks is the importance is a mask that you're going to actually wear and that fits you properly. Because if it doesn't fit you properly and you have all sorts of gaps, it's really not going to do much good anyway. So just something proper that fits over your nose, you know, your mouth and your chin, preventing leaks. Um, you can still do cloth masks. They should be multiple layers of like a tightly woven fabric. And they really should have a nose wire too, so that you can squeeze it against your face. Um, you just don't want the gaps around the sides of the face. You don't want any, I've seen them with like exhalation vents. You don't want those. Um and, you know, they do need to be clean. So if they're wet or dirty or anything like that, you don't want to wear it. The other type of mask that can be worn is a surgical mask. Again, just make sure it fits properly and has a nose wire. Those like the procedure mask that you see at the doctor's office. Mm -hmm. um, they just need to be tossed, though, when they're dirty. Um, and if they don't fit perfectly, you can tie like a knot in the loop, too, to get mm -hmm. a little bit tighter towards your face. You just you just don't want any of those gaps right. um, around the sides of the face or the nose. So that's really important. Um, and then, you know, we've all heard of the N95 masks. Those do have a better filtration. Um, you just want to make sure that you get an authentic one because there are some of them floating around out there that might not be real. Um, they do have markings on them, print, printed on them to indicate if they're authentic or not. But those help to contain droplets and particles as you breathe, cough or sneeze, um, so those are, those are really good as well, but just something that fits you properly and something that you're actually going to wear. So when levels get higher in the community, or if you're having an outbreak, that's when CDC says, okay, now we're going to add back in the masks. Um, the next thing that they say is we'll add back in testing. So um, diagnostic testing, early childhood programs can offer testing to students and staff um, if they have symptoms or if they were exposed Um or they can refer them to a, out to a community testing site or at-home test, or the healthcare provider could do one. Screening testing is no longer recommended um, at, for routine screening, but if the if the 
levels get high in a community, then programs can consider implementing screening testing. But that's only, you know, if you get back to that high level. Otherwise, we're not doing or CDC is not recommending just screening um, testing right now. Um, uh, the one thing they would say, though, is if there's some high risk activities, you know, you think of like close contact sports or like mm-hmm. band or choir concerts, then you could, you know, consider implementing screening testing. But other than that, it's, in general, it's no longer recommended. Okay. Um, and then quarantine and isolation, there's some changes with that mm. as well. Um, you know, it used to be if you were exposed to COVID, you know, your friend calls you and says, hey, you're over for dinner two days ago and I just came down with COVID, you would quarantine. Right. And um, as of today, um, the CDC no longer recommends quarantine. And just, just to uh, clarify what that is, that means if you were exposed to COVID-19, you would stay home. Whereas isolation, which we're going to talk about next, is if you actually test positive for COVID-19, that's when you stay home. But as far as quarantine, so when you're exposed, they are no longer recommending that in general um, once you've been exposed to someone with COVID-19. But it does still recommend that people take precautions, including getting tested, wearing a mask. um, And you do want to test and wear a mask regardless of your vaccination status or if you've had a previous infection. So now if you get exposed to COVID, the breakdown is basically um, you wear a mask and then um, on day six, you want to get tested. And of course, obviously watch for symptoms. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. And then isolation would be if you actually test positive for COVID, then you do stay home. So um you stay home for five days. So it's five days of isolating um, would be the recommendation. Um, if you have to consider after five days, have your symptoms improved and have you been fever free for 24 hours without the use of fever reducing medication? Um, if your symptoms haven't improved, then you continue to stay home and away from others until your symptoms improve and you're that fever free. And then once both of those are true, then you can return to, you know, school or work, whichever it is, the program. Um, but you continue to wear a mask around others, including those in your household, until 10 days have passed since your isolation began. Okay. Now, if your symptoms have improved after that five days, so regardless, you're home for five days but and you're wearing a mask. If your symptoms have improved, then you can go back to work or school, but you continue to wear that mask for another five days. So, and improved symptoms, that's kind of a gray area. Like, what exactly does that mean? Mm-hmm. It's basically you no longer feel ill. You can do your daily routine just as you did before. Um, and then any remaining symptoms that you might have, like a cough or a runny note, are really infrequent or very mild. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. No automatic quarantine anymore. But again, you're going to, you know, Watch for the symptoms, test on day six, um, wear the mask, like I mentioned, but isolation, we are still doing. It's important to know how to count as well. Right. Yeah. For isolation, day zero is um, the day that your symptoms started or you took the COVID-19 test and then you start counting on day one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's helpful. And so to recap, we've got those five things. Yep. Stay, stay up to date on vaccinations. Stay home if you're sick. Ventilation, mm-hmm. hand hygiene and respiratory etiquette, and cleaning. Correct. And then the fact that all this can change depending right. on 
what COVID does in the community and whether your community is on a high, low, um, what uh, were there three things? Was it high, low, medium, or was it yep, just high, low, or medium? And medium. once you hit a high level, or if your programs, you know, experience an outbreak, that's when we start adding in things um, that we just talked about. Yeah. So the masking and the the yes. Wearing masks, testing, testing, and then managing your cases and exposures. So, you know, no more quarantine, but you mask, Mm -hmm. you watch the symptoms, you test on day six, and then isolating, um, obviously, positive. So, yeah, you add those things back in, but they're they're not for every day anymore. Well, Sarah, this has just been so helpful. And it's the kind of thing as I'm sitting here thinking about this, it's almost like you'd say, okay, listen to this podcast once a week, just to keep it fresh in your brain until it changes. And once again, it's today's date, September 29th, 2022. This is the CDC updated for today. This is the, (laughs) this is what's real. And just note that it's, very responsible to go to the CDC website or the MDH website and regularly check because changes will occur. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So current as of today, September 29, 2022, and this guidance, I think they took away, you know, like all the cohorting things and that guidance, August 11th. So we're maybe six weeks. Okay right now. So current as of now, but yeah, continue to watch for updates and continue to watch your community levels as well. You can go on the CDC website. And like I mentioned earlier, you can put in your, your zip code if you're wondering, you know, the cases in your area. Um, But that's, you know, when, when they get high, that's when you got to start adding in other layers. All right. Lots to be thinking about, lots to be watching for. And thank you again, Sarah, for your expertise and sharing it with us here on Inclusion Matters. If you want more information, you can go to our website related to anything health and safety. We have had so many great, helpful things from Sarah and different podcast episodes, inclusivechildcare.org. Check us out on our social media. And we thank you for listening. And we'll look forward to having another conversation with Sarah in the future. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Priscilla. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.